Amen. Amen. Hey, well, I just want to add my voice to the chorus of people saying, students, we love you. Uh, we are so glad that you're here. Um, my name's Luke. I'm one of the pastors and part of our preaching team. And yeah, students, just all eyes up here for a minute. I wish I could see all of you at the same moment, but I love you guys. And we love you. And uh, you are just so precious, so precious to us. I, Molly and I, during that, that first song, we're just looking at all your faces and we're just holding each other's hand and we're just saying to each other, this is why we live here. This is why God put us on earth to be able to encourage you and bless you and create a church that loves you. Because someday, listen, y'all, you're getting the keys to this thing. And either we're going to toss them to you or you're going to pry them out of our cold, dead hands. And we want to toss them to you. And that's, this is just sort of our way of saying that. So students, we love you a lot. Uh, and holy smokes, mentors, goodness gracious, give it up for these people. I mean, come on. All I have to say about mentors is yes, 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 yes. I don't hear you. Yes. Yes, 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 all right. All right, y'all, so here's, uh, here's the tradition when it comes to Fuse. If you've never been with us for a Fuse before, uh, students or adults, here's what happens is uh, we have kind of a sense of the weekend and here's what you know, the theme is gonna be. Um, but then I just get a chance on Sunday to speak from the heart to you and um, it's a hard thing, to be honest with you, because I like it when we're in a series, because I just know, okay, I'm supposed to preach this, I'm supposed to preach this. When I can preach anything, it's like, oh, I don't know, what, what, should I, what do I do? It's like too many choices. Um, and so I just want to try to share with you um, from the heart, and um, yeah, there's been a lot of hype, right, in this whole weekend, and I just want to kind of go, hey, let's turn the hype off for the next few minutes, and just like heart to heart, go... What, what really matters? Now, here's the thing. I know y'all are tired. Like there were some sixth graders, no joke, at the first service. They were laying down in the front two rows right here, out asleep. And I was like, at least pretend, guys. So, so listen, I know y'all are tired. I know we're at the end. And I'm just going to ask you, will you dig deep for just a few minutes and, and try to engage with me? Let's, let's have a conversation about something that really, really matters. Um, you know, I don't know if you've had this experience where you get together with a group of people that, that are all dear to you, but you don't, they don't know each other, right? A lot of times this happens at a birthday party, right? You have a birthday party and there's people from your soccer team and there's people from school and there's people from church and there's your neighbor friends. And it's like, you know all these people, you love all these people, they don't really know each other. One of the cool things that happens when you uh, get married is that you have a big party and all these people from all these walks of life that have heard all about each other, they get together and they meet each other. And it's so fun to be able to say, oh, here's this amazing friend that I have from this walk of life. You should meet them. And when people meet them, it's like, oh man, it's just, it, it's really cool. And you feel even more known. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to I tell you about my friend. I want to introduce you to my friend. He's someone you've heard about, but I, I just don't know, I just don't know if you know him. And so maybe in a fresh way, maybe in a way that you've heard about, but I just want to ask God if he would make it fresh tonight. I want to tell you about my friend Jesus. He's the light of the world. He said that whoever follows him is not going to walk in darkness, but is going to have the light of life. And I want to tell you about him, not as an idea, 
not as a concept, but as a three-dimensional, surprising person. I think we imagine Jesus a little bit like a -a Build-A-Bear doll. Right? You, you maybe years ago when you were little, you went and you did a Build-A-Bear. And, and when you do the Build-A-Bear, right, if, you, if your parents like, are really spoiling you rotten in that particular moment, uh, they might splurge for the, you know, the little electronic thing that you put in the paw that when you squeeze it, it says something. Right? It, but when you squeeze it, it says the same thing every time. It's not actually very interesting. It's kind of boring. Like there's only so many ways it can say, you're awesome, right? Like, beep, yep. you're awesome, you're awesome. And so it's like, okay, that's not very interesting. And here's the thing. I think a lot of us think that Jesus is like that. We have a 2D Jesus. We sort of imagine you put him in any situation and, you know, he'd just push the button. He'd go, I love you. And he does love you in any situation. But I want to tell you, we have a real, there's a real person that we're gathered about here tonight. I just want to tell you about him. So would you pray with me? I'm going to give you just a moment to just pray for yourself. Pray that God would give you ears to hear Jesus in a fresh way. Pray for yourself for a moment. And I want to ask you if you would pray for me. Uh, I'm tired too. (laughs) And uh, pray that I could share this as truly as I feel it. Lord, we invite you now. Speak. Reveal, show yourself for who you are, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you about my friend Jesus. He's not like anybody you know. See, everybody you know is not nearly as humble as Jesus is. Jesus had this incredible opportunity at the very beginning of his ministry, right after experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit descending on him and the voice of the Heavenly Father saying, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. The, the Spirit sends him off into the wilderness and Jesus goes into the wilderness where he's fasting, doesn't eat or drink, and he is, he's there to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. That's quite a gift of the Spirit, huh? When people go, man, I want, a, I want the gifts of the Spirit. You don't want that gift. And so they take, the the Spirit takes Jesus out into the wilderness, and he's tempted. And Jesus has this opportunity that I think if anyone in this room, if we were given, given this opportunity, we would take it. The opportunity comes. The devil says, hey, listen, I will give you, and he gives him a view of all the kingdoms and all the power and all the authority and all the glory that is on earth says, this could be yours. You could have all the wealth of all the CEOs. You could have all the subscribers of every great YouTuber. You could have all the power of every prime minister or president. You could have it all. Oh, and you're not going to need to depend on anyone else. You can be self-sufficient. If if you want to take this bread or this stone and turn it into bread, you can. And everyone I know and everyone in human history would say, I want that. Yes, I'm in. And Jesus said, no. Jesus is surprising like that. 
He's humble like that. There's nobody like this man. Jesus is the light of the world. The darkness that exists in all of us, it's not in him. And so his response is totally different. His response is totally different when he bumps into people who are on the edges, who are on the margins. We see people on the margins and we want to keep them that way. We see people who aren't very cool and aren't very wealthy and aren't very educated and they don't seem to fit in the status that we like and we like to keep them on the edges. Well, when Jesus encountered someone like that, there was a person that he encountered one day who was a leper. You maybe have heard of leprosy, you've heard of Mother Teresa. She you know, worked in this leper colony where these people that have leprosy, this skin disease that was wildly contagious and highly uh, just gross, because literally like fingers and parts would like fall off. Jesus encounters this man. And this was a man who had to walk around all the time saying, unclean, 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 stay away from me. Couldn't go to worship, couldn't be with friends, couldn't be around people. And one day Jesus comes to him and has the humility to say, what do you want me to do for you? Do you love that about Jesus? He doesn't just assume he knows. He actually cares about you. He cares about you enough to say, what what do you want me to do? Let me just pause for a second. What do you want him to do for you tonight? What do you want him to do for you? Well, this man encounters Jesus and and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He says, if you will, would you please just make me clean? Would you heal my body? And Jesus says, I will do that. Be clean. But not only does Jesus heal him with his words, the most amazing part of the story to me is that it says that Jesus looks at him with compassion and with love, and he reaches out his hand and he touches him. He touches him. This person that no one would touch, this people that were considered untouchable, Jesus touches him, and rather than Jesus catching his uncleanness, this man catches Jesus' cleanness. Right? Scholars and commentators go, how could Jesus do this? This would have made Jesus ceremonially unclean. False. Because this man got Jesus' cleanness. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. In him, there's no darkness. He has the light of life. Do you know my friend Jesus? Jesus is powerful. One day he's on a boat with all these expert fishermen. They've been their whole life out on the water. Uh, They've seen all sorts of storms. Nothing's going to phase them. And Jesus is rock solid asleep. He's kind of where you're going to be in about two hours, uh, you know, kind of unconscious to the world. And this storm is raving and the, the wind is blowing and the waves are crashing. And these expert fishermen who've seen it all are scared to death. And they wake Jesus up and they go, don't you care? Jesus, don't you care? And all Jesus says is, peace, be still. And the waves and the wind go flat. They stand there and they go, even the wind and the waves obey him. Yeah, that's my friend Jesus. He's the light of the world. And he wasn't just powerful over 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 nature, but he was powerful over demons There was this man who was absolutely in agony. He was across that same lake and he was living in a a tomb, right? You've been in big cities and maybe you've been in big cities even this summer and you just see homeless people everywhere. Um, I was in San Diego earlier this summer and you just, everywhere you go, there are homeless people and almost all of them are mentally ill. Almost all of them are on drugs. You can see the damage that they've done to themselves and that has been done to them. It's absolutely devastating. And that's the kind of man that Jesus found living in a graveyard. Man, it says, was naked. And he was cutting himself with stones. Some of you know what that's like. 
The pain of his life was too much. He'd broken out of his chains. And he encounters Jesus. And he just doesn't even know anything about Jesus, but he sees him. And he says, I know what you're here to do with us. Because it's not just him talking, it's actually the voice of a legion of demons. When Jesus says, what's your name? He says, we are legion, for we are many. And Jesus, again, in one word, casts the demons out. And the man is found in his right mind, and he's got clothes on, and he's healing, and he's whole. Because of his encounter with my friend Jesus. One of the things I just love to notice is that the man started the story naked and cut and bleeding and enveloped by darkness. He finishes the story clothed and whole and in the light because my friend Jesus on the cross was naked and bleeding and enveloped in darkness. And it's a picture of how our friend Jesus takes our place, that the light of the world goes into the darkness. Do you know my friend Jesus? He wasn't just compassionate in all the ways that we've been talking about though, right? That's the kind of thing you think about. Like you kind of imagine that's the builder bear Beep. Here comes the nice loving saying of Jesus. Beep. 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 Jesus could cut you. And he did. One of the things Jesus hated that I know you hate and I know that I hate, Jesus hated hypocrisy. He hated religious hypocrisy especially right? The kind that you've seen, and you've seen too much of it. You've seen a lot of it maybe in your family. You've seen a lot of it maybe in this church. Maybe what bothers you, even as you sit here right now, is that someone you have a relationship with, you feel like is a hypocrite in some way, and they act like one thing, but then they say other stuff, and they promote other things, and they get all into it, but then you know how they really treat people. Jesus knew that. He had no patience for it. He called it out every time. There's this incredible place where Jesus is encountering these Pharisees, these religious hypocrites, and they're all bent out of shape because Jesus and his disciples, they didn't wash their hands the right way before a meal. Jesus says, you guys are hypocrites. Here's what he says. He says, woe to you. It literally means like curse you, like blank you, but, but holy, the holy version of that. <laughs> woe to you. I, I, like, like damn you is essentially what he's saying. Curse you. Why? Curse you. Well, because you care about the outside, but you don't care about the inside. And it's the inside. It's, it's out of the overflow of the heart that all this stuff happens. That's what I care about, Jesus says. That's what matters to me. He is bold. He is unrelenting. He tells these people, you're like whitewashed tombs. Now, there's another group there, the lawyers. And of course, we know the lawyer's going to speak up. And so the lawyers are there, and they're actually more like scholars. They're like Torah scholars. And they're there, and they say, well, Jesus, what you're saying offends us too. And he doesn't go, oh, well, I'm so sorry. I'm little Jesus, meek and mild. Just press the button, and I'll say it nicer. He didn't do that. He goes, oh, by the way, I've been meaning to tell you, woe to you too. <laughs> woe to you too. You guys, you think you got it all figured out. You heap all these burdens on people that you don't even keep. See, Jesus was, was compassionate, and Jesus was powerful, and Jesus was tender, but Jesus was also tough. He would tell a rich young man who thought that he had it all together, sorry, bub, unless you give up the most important thing in your life, you ain't coming in. And does he do that because he hates the man? Does he do that because he doesn't like the young man? No. The passage, if you read it, actually says that Jesus, looking at this young man who thought he had it all together, loved him. 
and said, you're never going to have life. You're just going to stay in the darkness if you keep clinging to the thing that you think will bring you life instead of giving it up for me. That's my friend Jesus. He's the light of the world. And he came so that you and so that I, so that we would not walk in darkness. One of my favorite stories of Jesus is there with those Pharisees again. He's actually at one of the houses of one of the Pharisees. And this is cool about Jesus, right? When we find people that we're objectionable to, we go, I got to keep my distance from them, not Jesus. Jesus, you know, he was repulsed by the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, but he still went after them. And so this man, Simon, who's a Pharisee, has a dinner party at his house and he invites Jesus over. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come. Because Jesus isn't just trying to reach the rebellious. He's trying to reach the good people who don't even think they need him. And he's there at the dinner, and it's all these religious people gathered around, and this woman sneaks in. The Bible describes her as a woman of the street. You know what that means, right? It's a woman that used her body, gave her body to try to survive. She had one prized possession, this flask of ointment, this alabaster flask. And we don't know exactly, perhaps it was like the nest egg she'd been storing to try to get herself out of this life. Maybe it was just a family heirloom that had come down, but whatever the case, it was filled with this expensive, wonderful perfume-like ointment, and she breaks it, and she begins to wipe and wash Jesus' feet with this ointment, and with her tears, and with her hair streaming down, and she's rubbing his feet. Listen, especially gentlemen, my friend Jesus can have a sensual, sexually charged woman rubbing his feet and stay pure. He's the light of the world. She's rubbing his feet and, the, and weeping and the hypocrites there are looking with disdain at, at her and at him. How could he let this happen? How could, he, how could he dignify this? Doesn't he know who she is? Jesus says, yeah, I know. Here's what I know about her. I know that, she, I know that she's forgiven much because she loves much. If you're forgiven a little bit, you only love a little bit. But if you're forgiven as much as she is, you love a lot. And he dignifies her and he honors her. And he humanizes her and he treats her with all the respect that she deserves because my friend Jesus is the light of the world. Listen, friends, I could go on and on and on. I've got a page up here with story after story after story that I'm not going to tell you tonight. A lot of these you've heard before. But I just want to tell you over and over and over, when you encounter Jesus, you just go, there is nobody like this man. And that's what I want to invite you to do. Not just tonight, but in your whole life going forward. Listen, you get one life. All right, as, as silly as I think the whole YOLO thing was, I know that's not really cool anymore, but, but it was right. You do only live once. Some of you are like, what's YOLO? Yeah, you're way behind. We're, we're all, like, we're, not, we're moving on, okay? Um, but it was right. You only live once. And listen, your life matters. And it matters too much for you to just scuffle along, going in the way you're going, in the darkness, thinking, blah, 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 yeah, 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 I know Jesus. Beep. No, you don't. And I just want to tell you, he's remarkable. And he grabbed my heart. I was 
17 years old, like some of you. I won't ask for a show of hands. And I was a good kid. I'd been in some Bible studies. I'd been in some small groups. We would uh, get our Bible out and we would just go to the very back to the concordance. You ever have one of these Bible studies where you go, all right, everybody, look, let's look up the word wisdom. And we would just talk about it like we knew anything, right? It was like ignorance on fire. <laughs> and these guys I was with, they were Christians, but I, I was still hedging my bets. I wanted to be just Christian enough that the Christian people would go, oh yeah, he's cool. But I didn't really want to be all in. I wanted to live for me still. I wanted to do what I wanted to do still. And thankfully, I had someone like Jesus, a guy named J.R., come into my life. We started reading about Jesus. And as J.R., this 22, 23-year-old neighbor of mine, had the guts, had the Jesus-like courage to say, Luke, I think you're a phony. I think that as we're reading about all these people who were following Jesus till it got too hard and then they peeled off, he goes, I think you'd be one of them. And I was mad. And I was ticked. How dare he? And you know why I was mad? Because he was right. And the Lord began to pursue me and to love me and to show me that he was right. And that actually the best thing I could ever admit was that he was right. And then I could surrender to Jesus and follow Jesus. And I got to tell you guys, listen, when I came to Christ, I did not in any way think I would be a pastor. The only pastors I knew dressed like in dresses. That was weird. Like, not real dresses, just robes that look like dresses, right? Like, my aunt asked me, do you think you'll be a minister? I was like, no, what a dumb question. Why would I be a minister? And listen, listen, I got to tell you, I've had times as a pastor in the last 13 years of this church where I've been tempted to be a full-time pastor and a part-time Christian. And I just want to tell you that the reason I never quite can get there is because of my friend Jesus. He's too good and he's too true and he's too real and he's too electric. And when you look in his eyes, there's mischief. And, and it's that love of Jesus, that three-dimensional love, not the little button pressing, oh yeah, I know how little flannel graph 2D Jesus will respond to this but the kind of Jesus that I actually know, the Jesus who sometimes answers my prayers spectacularly. A few years ago, he healed my shoulder in a way that is undoubtedly him, and sometimes he answers my prayers with a decisive no. But in all of it, I just, I just know that if I were to walk into the room with Jesus, he wouldn't say, you? He'd say, you, Luke, and give me a hug, and he'd stick his face in my neck and he'd rub his hand in my hair and say, I love you, son. I'm proud of you, son. I'm for you. And I want so much that's so great for you. And listen, that's my friend Jesus. And that's what I want for you. That's what we want for you. This isn't hype. We're going to do some rah-rah here again in a minute. And all that's super fun. I love it. It's great. But I just want to tell you as hard as I can from my heart, Follow, know, enjoy, trust Jesus. He's the best. And listen, he's not looking for perfection or how well you play the part. 
He's wild about the hidden stuff. And he says, come. Let's pray. So, Father, here I am as your son. Sinful and foolish and impulsive. Filled at times with pride and with unholy anger. Lord, sometimes apathetic to the things that break your heart. And yet, Lord, I thank you that my hope's not in me, that that's the way of darkness. I thank you instead that my hope is in Jesus, the light, the one who came so that we wouldn't have to live in darkness, so that we could have the light of life. And so, God, I pray for my friends here. I pray for the students. I pray for the adults. I pray for all of us that we would be seized and gripped by the beauty and the majesty and the glory of our friend Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.